This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, kind of up and down uh, for the podcast, and we're going to get to uh, something here right off the top in just a moment. But Adam Burke is with us at Skating Tripods on Twitter. Hard to believe. I know you've heard every podcast and every college football person out there say it, but I'll say it again. Hard to believe the regular season is over. Championship weekend is here, and then it will be bowl season. Adam, this time next week when we reconvene, we will have over 40 bowl games to discuss, and that makes me excited. I love bowl season. I know they're, quote, meaningless, but as betters, I absolutely adore the bowl season because if you read tea leaves and kind of take a look at different teams' motivations. It can be a very profitable endeavor, and obviously we'll have our bowl betting guide uh, shortly after it is all announced. But a week away from bowl season uh, being official, we did have a couple announcements uh, earlier uh, this week, one coming out today. But how are you, sir, on this uh, post-Thanksgiving Monday? I'm good. I hope everybody out there had a good Thanksgiving. I know I certainly did, even though... Not a great weekend to be an Ohio State fan, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes here. But yeah, I love the bowl season. I'm really looking forward to next week's show. A lot of different things to talk about. You've got some teams kind of stepping up in class from a conference standpoint that you haven't seen in a while. Of course, all the things that go into coaches, coordinators, all that kind of thing. Very much looking forward to that. But we've obviously got some big games this week to talk about first. All right, before we get into it, I I, I got to address... And uh, I'm I'm doing my best, Baker Mayfield, the elephant in the room. 
And that is on vsin.com. One of your write-ups was an all-timer, all-timer, bad, horrifying beat. I was watching Van Pelt before we hit record. We record this on late Monday night, and he said it was Belk Bolian. And if those remember, the Cincinnati Duke uh, Belk Bowl from, God, almost maybe a decade ago, uh, continues to be just an all-timer. You, sir, had Utah State plus, was it 17, Adam? Plus 17. Yeah. Plus 17. I'll set it up and you can uh, take it from there. It was 28-23. Boise State had the lead. Utah State got into the red zone, was facing a fourth down with, I believe, a minute and 10 seconds to go. Down 28 to 23, you're catching 17, and you've got a legit shot at an outright victory. Take it from there. Yeah, I mean, this one, you talk about Belk Bullion, kind of reminded me of the 2013 New Mexico Bowl, where I was on the wrong side of that one, of course, too, with Washington State and Colorado State. But, yeah, I mean, Utah State, is, I mean, they're, they're right there looking for the outright. You know, I mean, it's 28-23 game. They're inside the 15-yard line. They're basically at the 11. They wind up going backwards on third down. Fourth down, you get a pick. And then Boise State, 91-yard touchdown run from quarterback Taylor Green. That only makes it a 35-23 game. You're still sitting there. You're like, you know what? It's ugly, but I think it's going to get there. Just have to avoid the pick six. Did not avoid the pick six. 46 or 48-yard Interception return for a touchdown for Boise State. So Utah State goes from knocking on the door of winning outright, at least covering 17 easily, uh, to losing by 19. And, um, yeah, they say that those things even out in this business, Tim. <laughs> they don't. Those well, those people are full of it. You know, I've, I've been saying that the turnovers are going to even out for USC this year, and it hasn't. They're plus, I think, 23 in the turnover margin. Um, yeah, that, that was brutal. Um, I went back and I listened to our best bets recap. Cause I, I write down all our bets from the Thursday show so I can, you know, go back and, you know, gloat if we're doing well. And, you know, sometimes you gotta say, Hey, you know, we had a bad week. So I went back and I'm like, all right, I played Mississippi state. Did I give it out? Went back, listen. Nope. Didn't give it out. Of course. Uh, oh, Cal, I played that myself. Did I give it out? No, didn't give it out. And then I'm watching the Auburn game. Nothing compares, by the way, to your beat. Nothing. And I personally, I went back and I looked in my, you know, my sheet that I keep all my bets in. And I took 22 with Auburn. And I'm like, all right, watching this game. Cadillac kicks a field goal. I'm like, oh, what could what could possibly go wrong here? 42-27, short field, Jameer Gibbs untouched into the end zone and I go back to the podcast and I'm like, what, it, what was the number when we gave it out on Monday when we recorded last week? Yep. 21 and a half. So, uh, not as bad, not ne- nearly as bad as, uh, as that beat uh, for you, uh, with Utah state. So hopefully it will even out and we'll get some winners. But, uh, I, I tell you what, I, I think all of us and all betters agree you, you never feel like it does even out. You know, why aren't, why, 
why weren't we or why weren't you laying 17 with Boise State in that situation? We're like, ooh, I got the victory. So that was brutal, man. And uh, what makes matters worse is it was on Friday. It wasn't like if that was like, I don't know. I don't know if it's ever better. If that's late night Saturday, is it better? I, I don't know. But the fact that it was a Friday day game and just the brutality of that beat, I, I don't know if it uh, if it makes it better or worse or the same that the fact that it happened on Friday. I mean, that was a, you know, we talked about it. That was a 10 a.m. kickoff local time in Boise. So that was a 9 a.m. game. So uh, that that's a hell of a way to start your, your college football weekend there. Yeah, with Utah State, like I say, it reminded me of the 2013 New Mexico Bowl. I know the Belk Bowl was bad, but I mean that was that was Washington State laying four and a half. They're up 15 with three minutes to go, and Colorado State wins the game outright, 48-45. So that's one that I'll forever remember being on Washington State. But I think uh, I think Utah State might have might have topped it there. And and the sick thing is. Like, Taylor Green has that 91-yard touchdown run in the game. Six carries for 91 yards. <laughs> so, yeah. Always fun. Yeah. Uh, that's brutal. Absolutely brutal. And you're an Ohio State fan. And uh, that's where we go into with the uh, the playoff picture right this now. Is, this is a really fun podcast, yeah. Tim. Thank I, you. I apologize. Well, I mean, if you want to talk, I mean, I, I, uh, I was watching – I was flying home on Saturday night and I'm, I'm watching Notre Dame and USC. I watched the first drive before we take off. I'm like, Oh, this is gonna be terrible. And then right before we land, Michael Mayer catches a touchdown is 10, seven. I'm like, ah, maybe, maybe we've got a shot. And uh, Caleb Williams turned into Superman on Saturday night. And, and the bizarre thing about that game. And I know, I guess this does have to do with the playoff picture and the Heisman, which is all but wrapped up. Um, it, if you didn't watch Notre Dame USC and you just looked at the box score, you would say, you know, maybe USC didn't deserve to win that game because they were plus two in the turnover margin. And I think on yards per play, I think Notre Dame actually outgained USC yards per play. Like if you watch the game, it, it really, I never felt like it was a game in which Notre Dame was going to win. It was just one of those things where I just, I felt like the whole time that USC pretty much dictated that game, especially offensively, but you know, moving forward, whether it's this weekend against Utah, Utah or in the playoff, if they face Georgia, that defense for USC is just so bad. It's really bad. I mean, Drew Pine, look, I have, Spoken my piece on Drew Pine, Notre Dame's backup quarterback, who's been thrust into action this year. But I mean, if Drew Pine is you know lighting you up and and you know going for like twenty of twenty four or whatever, you got some issues in your secondary. So we'll see. That offense is is phenomenal, and I thought the run game really uh, outside of Caleb Williams was was very impressive, considering that Travis Dye is gone. I also thought. Uh, Al Golden, his three three five was an absolute train wreck of a of a schematical uh, you know scheme um, schematical scheme by the way good uh, good use of English there but Austin Jones lit him up Caleb Williams was tremendous so we'll see but uh, when you look at the playoff picture it, it's pretty simple right now I think and I'll just throw it to to you Adam on this 
Michigan's in no matter what happens. Georgia's in no matter what happens. Is TCU in no matter what happens? They're 12-0. and 0. They've got a pretty good resume. And if they lose to Kansas State, who's going to be what? You know, 10 to 12 in the new playoff rankings. Is that going to be something that knocks them out? Maybe it knocks them to four, but does Ohio State at 11 and one jump over 12 and one TCU with a loss on a neutral to Kansas State? Well, again, I think this goes back to what we always talk about with the college football playoff is it's about money, right? It's about ratings, it's about ticket prices, it's about drumming up interest. Does TCU drum up the same level of interest as Ohio State? The answer yeah. is no. No. And you could argue, even though this is in Jerry World, this is effectively a home game for TCU. So you could make an argument that the committee may negatively look at the Horn Frogs if they lose this game and say, you know what? It wasn't truly at home in Fort Worth, but it was close enough to where that should have given them a little bit of a boost. So I think if the committee has the chance to put Ohio State in or, God forbid, Alabama. Which Alabama's is not getting in. I, 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 I'm I, just going to cut you off there. I, I don't. How did, so we have never if, seen a few If TCU losses. and USC both lose, Alabama's in, right? I think TCU gets in. Okay. I, 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 I think Ohio State gets in over USC. I, I think the committee, and I could be wrong, but what is Alabama's best victory? If they go into the, if it's all said and done, they're 10 and two, right? They lost to LSU. They lost to uh, Tennessee. They beat Mississippi State, eight and four. They beat Ole Miss, eight and four. They beat Arkansas, six and six. Texas, eight and four. Their best win is Texas. And they probably should have lost that game. I just don't know how the committee, and I hear you. You know, I, I totally agree that it is a television event. And, you know, and all of that. But I don't know how you can put, I don't know how Alabama, if that scenario plays out, can be the first two loss team to make the playoff when there's a one loss TCU who, look, I have bet against TCU. I bet against them last week. Listen to the podcast. I took the points with Iowa State, one of the worst bets I've made all season. It was absolutely disastrous. You got to give them credit for what they've done. Strength of record right now is number one. Uh, strength of schedules thirty fifth, so it's not great, but I, I think a twelve and one TCU, if they were to lose to Kansas State, I think they would still get in over Alabama. the The tricky part would be is if USC loses on Friday night to Utah, I think that's where Ohio State gets in over USC. That that that's my gut tells me a two loss USC non Pac twelve champ is not getting in over an 11-1 Ohio State who, yes, didn't play well, especially in that second half, and it was kind of ugly. But other than that, they pretty much dominated everyone they've played, and they have a win over a top-10 Penn State, a win over a top-20 Notre Dame, which USC does too. But I, I think ultimately the two losses would keep USC. That's just my thought. You know, uh, I think if that scenario played out, let's say Georgia wins, Michigan wins, TCU loses, USC loses, I think it's Ohio. Do you? Here's the question, though. Do you get Ohio State Michigan rematch two three? If TCU and USC both lose, I guess yeah. you would, yeah. which would that'd be, be that'd extremely 
fascinating talk, talk about ratings <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely extremely fast i just hope ryan day doesn't get pantsed again like he has the last two years if if that ends up being the scenario look i mean again we, we've seen the goalposts move for the oh, college yeah. football playoff committee many times over they will do whatever they have to to justify putting whoever they want in the three and four spots if you know tcu and usc both lose I, I do think, obviously, Ohio State would be the first choice by virtue of having one loss, as well, ugly well, as it was. And we're, when we're but, recording this on, on Monday night, you know, and, and you guys are probably listening on Tuesday, the rankings come out on Tuesday night. We'll know on Tuesday because Ohio State and Alabama, or excuse, yeah, Ohio State and Alabama don't play. So if Ohio State, which I assume is ahead of Alabama, then we know who's going to get in. You know, the, the, the fascinating, and I was listening to, I think it was Stu Mandel and, and Bruce Feldman talk about Tennessee and, and their big drop and the argument that Tennessee should be ahead of Alabama. I don't disagree with that. They played each other. Tennessee won. And it felt like they, because of their loss to South Carolina and the fashion that it was, they got dinged really hard and Hendon Hooker being lost for the season. But then South Carolina goes out and beats Clemson. South Carolina is going to be a top 25 team now. I almost felt like Tennessee was punished too severely for that loss to South Carolina, which was awful, and they got their ass kicked. But, you know, they did beat Alabama. Games have to matter, and they're both 10-2. and two. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I mean, how how much does the committee look favorably upon South Carolina's win over Clemson and the fact that the Gamecocks, after playing really poorly against Missouri and Florida, went and won you know back-to-back games against top-10 teams, to finish out the regular season. Again, it's kind of, you know, what do they prioritize? You know, do do they want and let's be honest here. I mean, TCU's had a phenomenal season. USC's had a phenomenal season. You know who the four best teams in college football are? Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama. So, you know, I know the games have to matter, but at the same time, can the committee sit there and say, you know what? We're just going to put the four best teams, the four most talented teams out there and see what happens. So, I don't know. Like you said, we'll find out on Tuesday when the rankings come out. And obviously, none of this matters if TCU and USC are both victorious. Yeah, exactly. It's simple if if chalk prevails. And to TCU's credit and to USC's credit, um, you know, betters uh, have been fading TCU a lot. And it's not really been an uh, enjoyable endeavor. Um, I've been on the wrong side of, I think I'm two and four this year betting against TCU. I haven't decided if I'm going to do it again here against Kansas state. Um, I did have Kansas state the first time they played and Kansas state led by 18 points before Will Howard went out and, and the game completely shifted. And then there's USC. Um, you know, does, does the turnover fortune continue for, for USC uh, you know, again, and their lone loss is a 43, 42 loss, uh, at Utah. So I think the playoff picture is pretty clear. Um, you know, Georgia and Michigan are both, you know, North of two touchdown favorites that won't change. I would be very surprised if Purdue gives Michigan a game. They have a, an, an offense that can score, which is, you know, better than Iowa. I, I'm much happier that uh, Purdue from a, from a, a viewership and just enjoyment level, I'm happy that the Boilermakers, Adam, are in this game as opposed to Iowa. I had no interest in seeing Iowa again in this Big Ten championship. We saw it last year. It was awful. 
it might be terrible again. Uh, Purdue could get blown out, but at least they have a serviceable offense that that has the chance to score some points against Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would have rather seen Minnesota and 32-year-old Tanner Morgan, but, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take Purdue because Aiden O'Connell is at least a pretty interesting, pretty exciting player. But, you know, I just I just can't believe that Ohio State did this again. Like, losing the game, whatever. You know, things happen. Maybe it's turnovers. Maybe it's something fluky. There was nothing fluky about this game again. I mean, Ohio State, they left points on the field in the first half. They they dominated the first quarter of this game. Dominated the first part of the second quarter, too, before giving up you know the blown coverage and the blown tackle and the long touchdown pass. They left points out there early, let Michigan kind of hang around a little bit, and then just got thoroughly dominated in the second half. And it's unacceptable, man. You know, I, I don't. I don't give a damn that Ryan Day is 45 and five. There's one game that matters every year, and it's this one. And you should be 45 and five at Ohio State. You should be better than that because you're more talented than virtually every other team in the country and certainly more talented than every other team in your conference. You're supposed to win. But this year's Ohio State team looked uninspired, looked flat, looked unprepared. Uh, you know, they had one of their better starts of the season, actually, in that game against Michigan and still got blown out. So I don't know where the Buckeyes go from here. Um, you know, the committee may look at them and say, well, you know what? Travion Henderson wasn't healthy. Mayan Williams wasn't healthy. Jackson Smith and Jigbo wasn't healthy. So on and so forth. You know, can they justify putting them in over, you know, an Alabama or somebody like that based on the injury factors? That's a possibility. But it's just it leaves a really bad taste in my mouth to see them get blown out again in a game where Ryan day was out coached again. I'd, I'd welcome a rematch just to see if it happens again, because there'd be a hell of a lot of pressure on Ryan day in that situation to the point where, look, if Auburn's going to hire Hugh freeze, what's to stop Ohio state from hiring a guy like urban Meyer back, despite all the things that he's done. Yeah, it's uh, I'm not an Ohio state fan, so I can't speak uh, to it like you can. It is, uh, I, I, it's, it's wild to see the frustration out there considering the success that this, this Ohio state team has had. But you know, when you get smashed back to back years and outscored 28 to three in the second half, especially with Blake Corum sidelined, right? I mean, that, that, that's the surprising part. Ohio state's had their injuries, but you know, Michigan's engine in Blake Corum was, was, was out and, uh, and this happens. So that that's going to be the, you know, intriguing thing too, is like, you know, can you overlook this, this loss? This isn't, you know, losing to Purdue who I forget what they finished that year, like six and six or seven and five that, that night in West Lafayette uh, when they lost, you know, got blown out. The, the but, Rondale Moore show. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is a bad one. This is a, this is a, this is a tough one to swallow and, and it'll be interesting to see, if USC or TCU trips up, if Ohio State can jump one of those two teams, because look, all along I thought Tennessee, and that's why I talked about it on this podcast, I placed the bet at minus 190 that they would make the playoff because I felt like, okay, they lost a game. It wasn't super competitive against Georgia, but it's Georgia. They'll get in. And then obviously that's all moot now because he gave up 63 to, to South Carolina. Um, but it, it, it will be interesting to see, but that leads us into 
you know, your power ratings and uh, the championship, uh, uh, you know, weekend. So let's uh, let's actually do your power ratings first. So let's uh, let's do a little uh, let's do a little stock up here to start. Stock up. All right, and we'll start with uh, with Purdue. Um, you know, a team that gets it done. Uh, they do get the cover. We're a bit fortunate. Indiana obviously uh, had some injuries there, uh, but Purdue is one of the, your your biggest risers. So, what has led to Purdue being upgraded uh, by by four points for you? Yeah, and I'll I'll preface it by saying I did move Purdue up four points, and my line is still Michigan minus nineteen and a half for the Big Ten championship game. So, I'm still two and a half, three points off of market uh, relative to where that game currently sits, but. You know, I was way off on that Purdue-Indiana line last week. I, I had it Purdue minus five. Game closed, what, ten and a half? Uh, and Purdue winds up covering the spread there. Maybe I just downgraded Purdue too much in the middle portion of the season, particularly when Aiden O'Connell clearly had something going on. But, I mean, they dropped ugly games to Wisconsin and Iowa. Did pick up a nice win over Illinois, but you know, Illinois kind of had some rough patches in the middle part or in the latter part of the season as well. Maybe I just didn't upgrade Purdue enough as the season sort of, you know, went throughout, but you know, now we see a difficult situation for Purdue this week. In fact, Aiden O'Connell's brother uh, passed away. So, you know, that'll be something that, that takes him away from the team. Certainly takes his focus away from the game throughout the week here. Uh, but I did bump Purdue up four points. And as I said, I'm, I'm still uh three and a half point or three points off of this game in the market. Couple other teams that uh, that you bumped up their numbers, and once again, Veasan.com. Make sure to check it out. Um, I had two write-ups on the website. One was a bit of a sweat. One wasn't. And the one that was a bit of a sweat, but it got there, was Missouri. It was backing a five and six team facing an Arkansas squad that you know. Yes, it's a rivalry game, but it felt like the week before was, was kind of their big game, a night game against Ole Miss. So Mizzou gets the win. They're going to a bowl game, as you pointed out. Did this save Eli Drinkowitz's job? Was it really on the line? We'll never know, but ultimately he will be around next year for Missouri. Um, so what did you do with the uh, with the Tigers after that win? Yeah, I, I bumped Missouri up three points here. I, you know, look, I don't know if Arkansas is all that good, but they did what they had to do with their backs against the wall to get bowl eligible. And this has been a good defense throughout the course of the season here for sure. I was a little bit off on this line as well. Did have Arkansas a little bit bigger of a favorite. But you know, when you look at this Missouri team, they got blown out by Kansas State early in the year, but lost by three at Auburn, four at home to Georgia, in a game they very well could have won. Well, the lost Auburn game too, they should have won. They dropped the ball running into the end zone in overtime. Right. Yeah. A close loss to, to Florida, one score loss to them, yep. four-point loss to Kentucky at home. Yeah, they got blown out by Tennessee, a pissed-off Tennessee team in that game, mind you. But, look, I just I kind of regraded Missouri's whole body of work and said, you know what, this team's a little bit better than I've given them credit for. So I bumped them up three points here as they uh, head on into their bowl game. A couple other teams, uh, and we can just kind of do some quick hitters here, teams that will be in bowl games. Uh, actually one that has been projected to to be happening uh, a lot of projections have Notre Dame and South Carolina meeting in the Gator Bowl. Nothing will be official until next week, especially with Power Five conferences, because things can still kind of be uh, tweaked a little bit. If North Carolina beats Clemson, that will put things out of whack a little bit. 
Um, but if uh, if North Carolina loses to Clemson, I think Notre Dame is likely headed to the Gator Bowl and a potential showdown with South Carolina. And uh, even though in the loss you bumped up Notre Dame and South Carolina wins again, and I know you bumped them up too. Yeah, I bumped both of those teams up two and a half points. Uh, look, I mean, I told you last week, I had USC a 10-point favorite against Notre Dame. They would have covered that number as well, albeit barely. But, um, you know, obviously I was off market a little bit. I was a little bit low on the Fighting Irish, maybe a little high on, on USC too. Uh, although I do have USC and Utah pick them this week, which we'll get to later on in the show. But I, I moved both these teams up two and a half points. I mean, for South Carolina, it's kind of funny. I talked about them maybe a month or so ago, and I was like, you know what? I am going to fade this team. This is going to be a fade team for me. They are not that good, particularly on offense. They've had a lot of success in terms of special teams. Didn't fade them against Missouri, a game that they lost 23-10 to at home and looked absolutely positively awful. They played okay against Vanderbilt. They got blown out by Florida on the road. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they get these Tennessee and, and Clemson victories where Spencer Rattler all of a sudden looks like you know the, the four-slash-five-star recruit that he was going into Oklahoma, maybe it's Beamer ball. I don't know, but I moved them up two and a half points here as they uh, head into what's a really intriguing matchup if they do wind up playing Notre Dame there, uh, where I have Notre Dame about a six and a half point favorite in that game. I, the, the, and and we, we'll, we'll talk about this next week. And right now it's all speculatory outside of South, or South Dakota, San Diego State playing Middle Tennessee in the Hawaii Bowl and UAB in Miami. That'd be Miami of Ohio playing in the Bahamas Bowl. Those are the only two official ones that we know right now. I, 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 this is pure, pure speculation, but I'd be curious if Spencer Rattler plays that bowl game because, you know, this is a guy that people thought was going to be the number one overall pick a year ago. He ends up transferring and really had a terrible year outside of these last two games. I don't know Spencer Rattler, but. I wouldn't be stunned because players opt out more often than not. Now his offensive coordinator just left to go to, uh, to Nebraska, Marcus Satterfield. So uh, that, that'll be interesting. And, you know, bowl games and the opt outs and the, and the transfer portal. I mean, just keep an eye on it. And, and that leads us into stock down stock down because Adam motivation is going to be fascinating and Liberty you look at their last two weeks. I mean, did those those players must have known that Hugh Freeze was gone? You lose to UConn. I thought that was a letdown spot. Uh, I had UConn plus the points in that spot, and they win the game. They were motivated. They went, you know, for bowl eligibility. But to get absolutely waxed by New Mexico State is unacceptable and it's embarrassing. But maybe they knew something there. So what did you do with the Flames? Because their head coach is now gone. And this is a team that looks completely uninterested. And it it absolutely has to be a team, I would think, that you have to fade in bowl season. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, I moved Liberty down six points in my power rings. The second big, or tied for the biggest drop. The biggest drop was actually Ohio, just because Curtis works out for the season. So I'm, I'm rooting for the Bobcats this week. Haven't won the Mac since 1968. So I am rooting for them here. Uh, this week, but I mean, I dropped them six points because of an injury. I dropped Liberty six points because they're just going down in flames. I mean, I don't know how you lose by 35 to New Mexico State at home. And I realize New Mexico State 
if someone wanted to play them, they could have backdoored their way into a bowl game. And Jerry Kill, we talk about the job that Jim Mora Jr. did. We mm-hmm. talk about the job that um, that Clark Lee's done at Vanderbilt. How about Jerry Kill just making New Mexico State respectable? I mean, that's a phenomenal coaching job there. Doesn't mean you should beat Liberty 49 to 14. Liberty outgained by 113 yards. Yeah, they must have known that Hugh Freeze was gone. And I they've had a quarterback carousel all year long due to injuries, but that's quitting if I've ever seen it. And I mean, they had a quarterback oh. carousel, Adam, when they played BYU and absolutely smoked them. I mean, yep. I bet Liberty in that game because, you know, everything that was out there said it was their Super Bowl. So I'm like, all right, this is a good spot to bet Liberty. Never in my wildest dreams that I think they'd win by multiple scores with, I think at the time was their third string quarterback. So, yeah, it's uh, it's wild. You know, for New Mexico State, we'll see. Um, You know, I'm a a bit of a bold nerd and, you know, Buffalo, if they win this week, uh, by the way, that was rough. Up two touchdowns against Kent State and you lose in overtime to try to get the bowl eligibility. They do get one more shot against Akron on Friday. Um, but if they win, there will be two spots available. Uh, it looks like Rice is is locked in because of APR. And then New Mexico State's petitioning the NCAA to try to get into a bowl at five and six. Uh, their game against San Jose State was, was canceled due to the tragedy uh, of San Jose State losing a teammate that week. So, you know, we'll see if uh, if New Mexico State can get in because UNLV was supposed to kind of be next next man up, and then they fired Marcus Arroyo today, which seemingly I thought came out of left field. But you know, poking around a little bit, uh, folks kind of in the know didn't seem all that stunned that Marcus Arroyo was ousted by UNLV. Yeah, I mean, I think Marcus Arroyo was was brought in to you know largely be a recruiter because he was such a rec- great recruiter at Oregon. Um, maybe not so much of an on field head coach but also you're UNLV like what are your expectations on an annual basis from a football standpoint into a bowl game in like seven years is good for you yeah like maybe Marcus Arroyo isn't the guy but I don't know who's going to come in here and do that much better Bud Elliott pointed this out I mean North Texas is in the CUSA championship game UNLV beat them by 31 points and I had North Texas in that game so oh, I remember it well. <laughs> and look, I know they lost five in a row. Um, you know, they I think they their quarterback was from Brumfield missed a chunk yeah, of time. And they I don't were know. A completely different team without him. Yeah. I mean, you know, five and seven, you beat Nevada, get a goal line stand, whatever. Uh bizarre. And and my only thought is they have someone in line, you know, maybe, you know, is it Tom Herman who's I think been poking around at a lot of different jobs. He's on CBS doing analysis. I think he wants to be back in it. Uh, and maybe he lands at Cincinnati, who surprisingly lost their head coach. Luke Fickle heads to Wisconsin, which I thought was a incredible hire by Wisconsin. That came out of nowhere. Uh, so what did you do with the Cincinnati Bearcats? They lose on Friday to, t- uh, to Tulane. So they're 9-3. and three. They'll be heading to, you know, kind of a random bowl game. They've got injury court concerns. Their coach is gone. Um, I, I think Cincinnati probably is a bit of a fade too. come the bowl season. By the way, you know where Tom Herman was born? Where's that? Since Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm. So well, he wasn't there long, but he was born there. And of course, obviously was the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. So he's got some recruiting ties 
uh, in the Buckeye State to be sure. But I, I dropped Cincinnati five points. I mean, you know, Ben Bryant was hurt, and Evan Prater didn't play particularly well in that game against uh, Tulane, so that wasn't particularly good. Then they lose Luke Fickle. There's going to be a mass exodus, I think, in the transfer portal for a lot of these teams that you know let their head coaches go. But it's already started, and it's just going to continue for Cincinnati, I think, where who knows what they're going to have. I mean, you you think about – I guess this isn't quite the same thing, but you think about LSU last year against Kansas State. They had, what, 38 scholarship players or something like that? And for some reason, that was like the – the second to last bowl game of the year. It wasn't like January 4th or something yeah. bizarre like that. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't think Cincinnati gets that bad. Um, Cause I mean, look, it's a, it's a really good job to, to coach at Cincinnati. I mean, Ohio state or Ohio is probably fifth or sixth. If we were to rank States by high school football, maybe some would say fourth. It's a pretty good recruiting ground. It's a good jumping off point. The AAC, vaults a lot of coaches into power five jobs that's gonna be a really good job i'm actually very scared that cincinnati hires brian hartline from ohio state their wide receiver coach who recruits all this absurd talent to come to columbus kind of worried cincinnati goes that route they should Um, but i dropped them five points they should they won't Uh, at least you know justin williams who covers cincinnati for the athletic he tweeted out that they want a head coach uh, with head coaching experience, which I think is a mistake. If you're Cincinnati, I think you go get Brian Hartline, who's a ace recruiter. And, you know, you got to remember this too. It's not just they're going to the big 12 next year. So it, it's, oh, that's right. you know, a new opportunity, uh, still a conference, at least next year with Oklahoma and Texas. And, you know, TCU is still there. They're going to be in the college football playoff. Um, you know, the fascinating name to me, you mentioned Tom Herman, is Matt Campbell. Uh, Matt Campbell seems to be stuck between a you know rock and a hard place. You know, he's he's been passed over from some bigger jobs, whether it be USC, Notre Dame, et cetera, over the years. And while you would maybe think it's a lateral move, and maybe it is, but you mentioned it. I mean, think about the names. You know, outside of Tommy Tuberville, who was an absolute disaster, the last, what, five head coaches there have all moved on to big-time jobs. Brian Kelly, Notre Dame. Butch Jones, Tennessee, and uh, Luke Fickle now at, at Wisconsin. So if you're, you know, Matt Campbell, where, yes, you're at Iowa State, and you have you kind of maxed out your potential there? Do you go to Cincinnati? You're an Ohio guy. You went to Mount Union. You know, you started at, you were at, uh, what was he, at Toledo before going to Iowa State? I don't know. I mean, I, if I were Matt Campbell, I would go to Cincinnati. I would. I think you could win. You could get to higher levels there than you can at Iowa State. And uh, it almost feels like the big jobs aren't coming knocking anymore for Matt Campbell. And maybe you need some sort of kind of recharge, so to speak. Uh, And maybe Cincinnati would be that option. Urban Meyer went to the University of Cincinnati. So, (laughs) I mean, let's just let's just go ahead and get crazy with that. Look, I I think, you know, Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator at Michigan, will be very, very popular during this coaching cycle as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if look for Matt Campbell, what he's done at Iowa State is thoroughly impressive. That is not an easy place to recruit for football. Cincinnati is a much easier place to recruit uh-huh. for football, I think. So they had nine pros last year. Yeah. Nine. Yep. I mean, I mean, you had Sauce Gardner, uh, and you had dudes, man. So 
I mean, they made the college football playoff and Iowa state was supposed to be one of those teams last year. So we'll see. I mean, I know we're not a, uh, a coaching carousel uh, podcast or a betting podcast, but, uh, but but that stuff matters, right? Yeah. I mean, Kerry, Kerry Coombs is the interim head coach now at Cincinnati, you know, formerly on the Ohio state staff, also on the staff of the Tennessee Titans. Like these interim coaching things matter. And it's not, there's nothing trend worthy about this. I've run the data. I've kept it since the 03, 04 bowl season. I'll rekindle that article over at vcin.com prior to the bowl games. It's basically a 50-50 proposition straight up and against the spread with an interim head coach. But you have to get in the mindset of the players, and it's dramatically different now with the transfer portal, right? I mean, as we mentioned, there's already been an exodus from Cincinnati. There will be exoduses from a lot of these teams that you know change coaches because these coaches make promises to these players. They go to these universities because of what these coaches and their assistants have said, but Every interim situation is different. And for Cincinnati, a program like that will already have its new head coach in place by the time they play in the bowl game. So do they rally for Kerry Coombs? Is the new coach able to come in and convince guys to stay? I mean, that's a huge part of the battle nowadays. So, yeah, we don't know all of these things just yet, but it's important to plant these seeds in the minds of our listeners because – you're going to have to make some calls here on these things as these lines start to come out, as these jobs are being announced and all that. A couple other teams in, uh, in stock down before we take a look at the championship weekend slate. Um, Clemson, you, you knocked a little bit, as you did North Carolina. I mean, my goodness. Could you ask for a less uh, appetizing ACC championship? UNC has now dropped back-to-back games to Georgia Tech and NC State, who I believe were both playing third or fourth string quarterbacks. And now Clemson, um, you know, my my plea was heard for South Carolina because they ruined my Tennessee to make the playoff ticket. So all I asked was just knock Clemson out. And they did that. So thank you, South Carolina. You ruined my bet, but uh, at least we don't have to see Clemson in the playoff. Um, so we got an ACC championship with two teams that seem to be moving a little bit backwards. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Um, as I've mentioned on the show before, I mean, I'm a South Carolina fan by marriage. My wife grew up about half hour Southwest of Columbia. The Ohio state loss was not fun. Uh, the South Carolina win was very fun. I mean, this has been as one-sided of a rivalry as you could possibly consider. We talked about it last week on the show where and the closest game was like 18 points or something like that over the last five years. It was just thorough domination. And DJ Uyunglele, 8 of 29 for 99 yards. You can't start him. Again, no. You can't start him against North Carolina. He probably, no. Dabo probably will, but you can't start him in the ACC championship. No, and, and frankly, I wouldn't start him in the bowl game either. I mean, it, it, the torch, this is where the torch should be passed, right? I mean, you should, this is the situation where you want to get the freshman and club Nick some experience to, to play in a big time conference championship game and Clemson for all their warts for, you know, this loss to South Carolina and some of their other issues, they're still going to get a premier bowl game. Let the kid play. You young is not your starting quarterback next year. So why bother? You know, if he wants to transfer, that's cool. Let him go. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to it. Let's get to a little championship weekend. Um, you know, we do have one non-championship 
on the slate. Buffalo and Akron. You're the zips. you're the Maction uh you're the Maction man here. So Buffalo needs a win to get to bowl eligibility. Uh this is a rescheduled game from the Blizzard. Uh they're in Buffalo. So this will be a Friday 1 p.m. Eastern kick. At time of record, it looks like the line is either 12 or 11 and a half. Uh, any thoughts on zips and bulls on Friday afternoon? Well, my first thought is Northern Illinois didn't have too many Fs to give last week, I guess. Because if you lose 44 to 12 to Akron, that's... Uh, I thought New Mexico State over Liberty was was a pretty big low last week. I don't know how you give up 44 points to Akron and lose that badly, but hey, credit to the Zips, who also, by the way, did that without DJ Irons, who's a far better quarterback than Jeff Undercuffler Jr. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in, in this game. I mean, obviously, Buffalo has every reason to go out there and try to win this game, but Joe Moorhead is instilling some sort of belief in this Zips program, and we'll see if he's able to be active on the transfer portal, maybe get some Ohio kids to come home. Uh, that would be great because Akron does not recruit the state of Ohio particularly well. But I'm not laying 12 with Buffalo. I mean, this is a game where you're not necessarily paying a premium because Buffalo is going for bowl eligibility. My line's 11 and a half here. But Akron's quietly been a lot better in the second half of the year here. And I believe I've wrote up the the Mac uh, this year, the Mac East. I believe... Akron is going for its win total in this game. So if anyone has over two and a half out there, I think that's what it was. <laughs> I can't remember. I did not personally play it. So uh, I think I wrote up to play over just because I, I like Joe Moorhead. So by the way, Akron last time they won consecutive games, October 20th and 27th, 2018. <laughs> so Good Lord. There, there's a bit of incentive, I think here for the zips to, you know, kind of end on a high note and, and get rid of that dubious distinction. All right. Um, Toledo and Ohio Mac championship. Usually this is a, a pretty fun game. I'll be honest. And I know our colleague Stormy Bonatoni is doing uh sidelines. So, uh, you know, make sure to, uh, to, to tune in to watch uh, Stormy and her crew, Beth Moens and uh, Kirk Morrison, I believe is uh play by play and, and analyst there, but I'd, I'd much rather this game be on a Friday. Um, it being kind of buried there in the noon Eastern window when, you know, Tulane and uh, UCF are playing and, and TCU Kansas state's kind of a bummer for this conference, but um, both quarterbacks potentially out here, right? Rourke's out Daquan Finn could also be out. Uh, I think it seems likely he will be. So what the hell do we do with this game? Uh, well, we watch it because Stormy is going to be doing sideline. <laughs> we watch uh, it for team camaraderie. <laughs> we we support our colleague there as uh, she has the unfortunate task of going to Detroit, which I'm sure won't piss anybody off that listens to this At least show. she's inside, you know. That's true. That's very true. Uh, I mean, Daquan Finn actually started last week for Toledo for some unknown reason. I really, truly don't know. That game didn't mean anything to Toledo last week came out, didn't look good, and then left the game and was wearing a walking boot on the sidelines. So that's not really a good thing for Toledo. Um, as mentioned, I dropped Ohio six points. I mean, C.J. Harris didn't play overly well last week uh, in place of, of Curtis Rourke. If Daquan Finn plays, I would have Toledo minus eight. If Daquan Finn doesn't play, 
I have Toledo minus two, which is basically right where the line is. So I think the implication here is that Daquan Finn probably doesn't play in this game for Toledo. And based on what we saw last week, he probably shouldn't. Uh, but as I said, I'm I'm rooting for the Bobcats just simply because they've gone a long time without winning this conference, despite having some pretty strong teams during the Frank Solich years. Well, let's get to the game that you have lined as a pick. And I'm curious if you have uh, have made a bet yet. Friday night, Allegiant Stadium, Utah, USC. USC looking for revenge. They lost earlier this season, 43-42. Utah winning that game, uh, a night game in Salt Lake City. Uh, you're looking at a total of 67. This thing opened at circa, I think it opened three. And it's pretty much been hanging around there. There were some twos out there, I want to say. Uh, but pretty much across the board, it's sitting there at three. I, I think the public's going to love USC here. You know, what do we see last? We saw Kayla Williams go nuts. No one saw Utah play Colorado, nor should they have. Um Kayla Williams is the real deal. He's going to win the Heisman Trophy, I think rightfully so. Uh, Lincoln Riley is an elite play caller, but that defense is really bad. It's just, it's really, really bad. And they've, you know, been fortunate to get the turnovers, give them some credit there. Uh, I also think the fumble that they recovered. I mean, it's the first drive of the second half. It's what, 17-7, Notre Dame's driving. And for some inexplicable reason, Drew Pine tries to pull on a read option and just drops the fumble and, and USC picks it up. So I, I haven't bet this game yet. I, I, I'm staring at Utah, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm curious what your line says in, in this one. I mean, this might be the first team to get a stop wins, to be totally honest with you, based on how the first game went. 86 point, or 85 points in that game, 43-42, well over 1,100 yards of offense in that one. Uh, Utah went for two, won the game, as, as you mentioned. So my line's a pick them here. I, look, I mean, obviously Utah had an advantage in the first game with it being played in the elevation in Salt Lake City. They don't get that advantage here. And it'll also, I would say, maybe – be a little bit of a pro USC crowd. If, if the LA fans come into town this weekend for this game, after probably just being here for Thanksgiving weekend uh, a few days ago, but I have this one to pick them. And if I can get three and a half, I'm going to take Utah. I mean, Kyle Whittingham in a rematch game. Kyle Whittingham is one of the best coaches in college football. And I know Lincoln Riley, great play caller, great schemer has the best player on the field in Caleb Williams, but I would trust Utah to be able to make more adjustments and specifically on the defensive side. So if I get three and a half, I'm going to take the Utes here and and the outright wouldn't surprise me if, if Utah pulls off the clean sweep here and, and wins both games head to head. No, I know it's not apples to apples here, but I'm sure some people are, are thinking, well, you're playing a team for the second time. You know, you can't do the same thing. Um, last year, Utah, waxed Oregon when Oregon was number three in the country, 38 to seven. They replayed two weeks later in Vegas and Utah won again, 38 to 10. So, I mean, to your point, Kyle Whittingham, I'm a big fan of look, Lincoln Riley is a very good coach too. Um, so we'll see Dalton Kincaid, I think had 200 plus yards receiving against 234, 16 catches. He had more than half of Cam Rising's completions and, in that game. And if you watched, I mean, they they had no answer for Michael Mayer last week. Um, 
they they can't which, really. Which I think is an important thing to mention too. By the way, is USC had to play a real opponent last week and a mm-hmm. real physical one in Notre Dame, whereas Utah got a glorified bye playing Colorado. And I thought Notre Dame, you know, even though they, I believe pro football focus graded them of having 20 missed tackles, which is just unbelievable. But Caleb Williams got, I don't want to say banged up, but I mean, he worked his butt off in that game. I mean, he was, you know, they had that moment. I think he got kicked in the fellas at one point and he was kind of on the sideline. So, you know, yeah, they, they got tested for sure. Uh, so, so we'll see if that, that, you know, plays its toll, but. Uh, I, I would, uh, I would assume, and you know, we'll, we'll do a full breakdown on Thursday's pod with humans, but you know, that's the one that's interesting. The other one that's fascinating, obviously with playoff implications is, is TCU and Kansas state. Um, you know, it's always telling to me, Adam, when a line's kind of hanging out there at two and a half, that looks like it's on sale. I, I get it. And I know what people are probably saying right now. You keep fading TCU, you keep losing. Well, two weeks ago, I didn't lose, right? They, I took two and a half and uh, with Baylor, and they won by one. So I didn't lose that bet, but I did bet Iowa State last week. It was a bad bet. I don't, I don't know. Is this the spot where TCU just kind of has their mojo? Maybe, but, you know, Kansas State should have beat them a couple, couple weeks back. And because of third string quarterback had to come in, things kind of completely changed here. So I don't know what your line is for this game, but um, you know, I I'm staring at the dog here, but I've been bitten quite a bit going against uh, the horn frogs this year. So if we consider Jerry world to be a completely neutral setting, mm-hmm. I have TCU minus two. Okay. I'm giving them a point and a half here for home field because they don't have to go anywhere. Uh, Kansas State, I mean, Manhattan's a very small community. That's not going to be a, a whole lot of fan support, I don't think, for the Wildcats in Arlington. So I'll give TCU some home field here. Make the line three and a half. It's not going to get me to bet TCU in this game, though, because the thing that really concerns me about TCU, the thing I can't stop thinking about, I know they completely crushed Iowa State last week, and, and so be it, but they had hard, they had a hard time with the physical nature of Kansas State in the first half of the first meeting, and Baylor should have beaten them a couple of weeks ago. And Baylor is a very physical, run-heavy type of team. This is not a good matchup for TCU in the style they want to play. They want to play that finesse brand of football that we kind of see teams like Ohio State play, stuff like that. I think against a Kansas State team, it's very, very physical, extremely well-coached by Chris Kleiman. I don't think it's a good matchup for TCU. So even though my number, if I give... TCU point and a half for home field is three and a half. I'd rather be on the Kansas State side here, I think, than the TCU side. Uh, and again, I'm not going to say that Kansas State is is kind of free rolling in this game or anything like that, but all the pressure, all of it, is on TCU in this game. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, the The only bet that I've made so far is, and I'll be honest, maybe it's it was more blind because of my affinity for this quarterback, but I just, I love me some Jay Kaner and you know, the turnaround that Fresno state has had when their backs were against the wall. This, is a, this team started one and four, right? Jay Kaner gets hurt against USC. Logan Fife comes in. They got blasted by Boise state to open up conference play lost 40 to 20. These two teams are completely different. Now both teams have different quarterbacks. Actually, Taylor green did start that game. 
So this game opened four and a half at some spots, including DraftKings. Uh, I wasn't able to get that. I grabbed three and a half. It's pretty much three across the board now. Um, I, I just I anticipate this to be a competitive game, and and when in doubt, if you're going to give me some points with Jake Hayner, who is you know since returning has won every start that he's played, and you know I was listening back to the podcast, uh, you took the points or laid the points, I should say, with Fresno in the first half against Wyoming last week. They took care of business. They shut out Wyoming. Jordan Mims had a had a big game, you know, there. Um, when in doubt, I'm just going to ride with Jake Hayner. So uh, I'm going to take the points with Fresno here in this spot. Well, it's probably never a bad idea to, to take the points with Jake Hayner. I mean, you know, the guy has just been incredible in his tenure there at Fresno State. And again, he's got a very, very good receiver in, in Jalen Moreno-Cropper that you know should be playing on Sundays here as we go forward. Weather looks okay for this game too, which I think is is really important because a lot of these you know conference championship games are indoors. This one's not because yep. it's at Boise State. It's on the Smurf turf. Uh, this one, you know, looks like the weather's fine. It's going to be cold, you know, which is something that maybe bothers Fresno a little bit, but not going to be too bad from a wind standpoint, at least as of now. And that's something that you want to focus on for a game like this because Fresno State's got to be able to throw the football. Hayner's got to be able to make plays with his arm. If the wind forecast gets worse for this one, Boise State is a run-heavy team. That the weather conditions could help them. So kind of touch and go, I think, from a weather standpoint right now for me because it's Boise in December. Like Obviously, it could do any number of things. But just looking at a pure handicap, if the weather's not an issue, I mean, I, I like Jeff Tedford. I like Fresno State. I like Jake Hayner. I would definitely put my trust in them so long as the weather forecast stays pretty tame. All right, we'll run through the other games. Once again, full breakdown, obviously, with plays on Thursday's podcast. But uh, I'll run through these games, and then uh, you can kind of give final thoughts uh, on uh, on where you stand on these. So um, you got Toledo and Ohio. We mentioned that. Uh, in Troy, it'll be Coastal at Troy for the Sun Belt. Troy laying 10.5. Grayson McCall status certainly up in the air. The AAC Championship in Tulane, or at Tulane, I should say. Green Wave laying three. Revenge on their mind from an earlier season loss to UCF. SEC Championship, get excited. Georgia laying 18. North Carolina laying seven and a half. And uh, Michigan ticking up to 17 at Circa at time of our, of our record as they play Purdue. So uh, final thoughts here from you, Mr. Burke, on the remaining championship games, including massive spreads in the Big Ten and the SEC. Yeah, and don't forget Conference USA title game, North yes. Texas and UTSA on Friday night. Uh, UTSA, <laughs> what what a comeback that was against UTEP. Highly unexpected. Twenty four uh, nothing. We couldn't we couldn't get the damn money line. I mean, look, it was a rocking chair plus seventeen. So I'll take it. I'm not going to complain. But before did you I, sprinkle? I did. Oh boy, plus seven eighty five, and I'm up twenty four nothing. I'm like, wow, this is gonna happen. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna bring this on home. So rocking chair victory in the cover. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Veasan.com right up. So we talked about it on the podcast, but man, come on now, I can't believe they came back and won that game. Yeah, I can't believe they did either. I, I was kind of following along with that game, sort of from afar, and I was like, oh man, like you know, Tim nailed it. UTSA just complete no show. UTEP with a lot to play for. And then I'm watching them come back, and I'm just thinking, 
Oh no. <laughs> like that's not, especially for a UTEP team, like they don't go to bowl games often. I know. Uh, it's just devastating for them. Hopefully uh, there's not too much carryover to next year. My line's UTSA minus 10 in that game for what it's worth. I don't have a play, but I would kind of lean towards UTSA. I think they're just really, really good. Uh, Coastal and Troy, the line suggests that Grayson McCall is not playing. Seems like that's kind of the talk here on Monday. I guess Jamie Chadwell is going to say on Wednesday definitively whether Grayson McCall is going to play or not. But this line did go up from, I believe, 8.5 to 10.5 on the, the assumption that McCall probably doesn't play. I have it minus eight and a half if he doesn't and minus a half point if he does. So obviously a guy that moves the line significantly about an eight point move for me. I like Tulane against UCF. I, I know Willie Fritz is leaving, but I just think Tulane's a much better, much more consistent team than UCF, even though UCF did win the regular season matchup and, and John Reese Plumley kind of ran all over the place on Tulane. I expect them to make some adjustments here. I, I do like Tulane a bit in that one. My line's five and a half uh, in that game, favoring the Green Wave. So that's one of the few games where I'm kind of off market a little bit. Uh, maybe LSU keeps it close, but with Jalen or uh, Jaden Daniels hurt, I want no part of LSU in that game. Clemson, North Carolina is interesting because I have that game actually lined Clemson minus four, and I'm clearly pretty low on the Tigers. Uh, but, you know, I mean, look, defensively, and Spencer Rattler just threw for, what, 360 on him? What's Drake May going to do to this defense if it's got some holes and some leaks? Love to see Cabe Klubnick play this game. I don't think he will. But I think if it's DJ, I like North Carolina getting eight out there. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, you know Purdue and Michigan, I have the line 19 and a half, but I'm not, I'm not interested in that one. I, I think maybe Purdue can keep it close early. Maybe Michigan just kind of leans on them late. But that's a big number, some ugly ugly numbers here for conference championship weekend yeah no there's, there's no doubt about it um before we uh before we bid farewell the next time we chat we will have uh spreads and you know conference we'll have the cfp we'll have bowl games all of that uh real quickly if chalk prevails this weekend and let's just do it for argument's sake it'll be georgia usc and tcu michigan in the playoff uh, what would your current line be on those two matchups? So obviously this is subject to how things play out sure. this weekend in terms of injuries, how teams look. I mean, if USC beats Utah by two touchdowns, clearly you're going to have to reevaluate the Trojans a little bit. Right now I have Georgia minus 13 over USC and I have Michigan minus seven against TCU with minus six and a half, no, minus seven against TCU. That's probably a little bit high, I think. Uh, but I gave Michigan a two-point bump for for what they did against Ohio State. And if we ran back Michigan-Ohio State, I'd have the game a pick them for what it's worth. Um, but Georgia minus 13 and Michigan minus 7. And, and I would anticipate probably interest in the dog in both of those games, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, and there was last year, remember. Um, you know, Michigan I thought was a very popular dog, and they got blown out by by Georgia and uh, I can't remember if Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati might have been a popular dog as well against USC. And USC just kind of sat on them and ran it with Brian Robinson down their throat. So we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Matt Humans will rejoin us. Uh, we'll do a full breakdown, best bets, all of that good stuff on uh, the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. And I'm telling you right now, and I think most of our listeners, Adam, know this because they're betters and uh, 
The bowl season can be very, very fruitful. We ain't done yet, folks. We're going to have bowl breakdowns. Of course, we'll have our VEASAN bowl betting guide as well. Uh, so, yes, the regular season's over, but the bowl season is an opportunity to make a, a whole lot of cash, uh, potentially. Uh, so uh, make sure you stick around. We got plenty more episodes to come. But for Adam Burke, follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods and check out all his written work on vcin.com. I'm Tim Murray, back with you on Thursday for another edition of the vcin College Football Betting Podcast.